0: Hey, this is Dewey from Pure Pleasure on Jabberjaw Media. I wanted to tell you guys about the Patreon for the show. It's called the Pleasure Seekers Club, and there's two levels: there's the five dollar level and the ten dollar level. And all this is, guys, is to help support the show, help support the cost of putting the show out. Um, you know, time spent uh, building the show, hosting costs, travel costs to do the in person interviews that you guys like so much. Um, it all costs money. And I always try to find the best deal, for sure, uh, because I do have a day job as well. But having that support on the Patreon is definitely going to help bring more in-person interviews, more travel, more uh, updated uh, graphics, hosting, websites, all that stuff. So, um, And if you like the show, $5 a month or $10 a month really helps out. I know it's kind of uh, an interesting thing with the Patreon when something's already free. Uh, but it is always going to be free. But if you want to support the show a little bit more, I'd absolutely appreciate it. Uh, you can pay either $5 or $10 a month. We'll try to do some special things for the patrons as well as we go. Um, but it's just a way to support the show in a different way. And uh, like I said, I really appreciate you guys coming back week after week. That's the most important thing I can ask for. So definitely go over and check out the Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Podcast. Once again, that is patreon.com slash Podcast. Sign up today and join the community and help out the show. Keep it growing. And I thank you so much. Hey, my name is Matt Carter, and I'm the host of the Break It Down podcast, which is part of the Jabberjaw Media Podcast Network. Break It Down is a show that's all about getting to know people who know stuff and to talk about it in depth. That's the way I like to roll, and I believe that's one of the best ways to learn, to be honest, to be genuinely interested and to explore a long-form conversation. So listen and subscribe at JabberjawMedia.com.
1: This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one.
0: What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Pure Pleasure with Dewey Halpas on Adobe Radio and Jabberjaw Media. My name is Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. This week, we have the fantastic Tim from Under Oath. I know a lot of you guys know Tim. A lot of you guys know Under Oath. They are a massive band that's made their return with their new album, Erase Me, on Fearless Records, which came out yesterday. This will be out on the seventh. The album came out on the sixth, and what a great record! I am so stoked that these guys are back together making music again. Such a great group of guys. We have run into each other so many times throughout our time on the road. Um, never done any touring together, but we we did Warp Tour and things like that. But we're always kind of in touch and and uh, had crossed paths. And what a great group of guys! And so stoked to have them back. And the album is fantastic, and it is coming out on Fearless. Uh, you can check it out. I know Tim's been posting a bunch of uh, songs from the record on Instagram and uh, showing kind of a teaser on that. But we're so stoked to have Tim on the show today and uh, just looking forward to you guys being able to give some feedback and, and what you thought of the record and where they are now. Because they have been gone a while and and uh, I know it was a big thing when they came back whether or not they were going to do a record. And now it looks like there's going to be a lot more action. So uh, I hope you guys enjoy this chat with Tim. Uh, Let's get some business out of the way. Uh, We are on purepleasurepodcast.com. We are on Instagram. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Facebook. All the socials, everywhere, uh, spot or excuse me, Spotify as well. We are also on Spotify and everywhere podcasts are available. So uh, definitely check us out there. Uh, if you're not already, rate and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, iTunes. Uh, we definitely enjoy getting those reviews, and it definitely helps us out. Uh, every one of them helps us out rather. So uh, keep that coming, and uh, let's talk about Rockabilia. Rockabilia.com is your one-stop shop. For band merch. It's all licensed, 500,000 plus items. And uh, I've got a Converge hoodie on the way. Uh, it has not arrived yet, but when it gets here, I will definitely I'll let you guys know how I enjoy it. Um, Frankie at Rockabilia is just an awesome dude. He's been helping out the network, helping out the show, and seeing some great results. So cheers to you guys for supporting Rockabilia and supporting Peer Pleasure and Jabberjaw Media. Um, Really appreciate having you guys week after week. Uh, it's really awesome to see the numbers grow. I know I say it all the time, but we're just glad to have you guys. Such a dedicated listenership that is always growing. Uh, it's always exciting when a publicist lets me know that they like what we're doing as well. Uh, it makes it much easier to get guests on the show uh, when we have a good following, you know, online versus also having a good following on iTunes and the reviews and everything else just shows that the show is worthwhile to their guest, uh, to their client, and to you guys. So just big thanks to you guys. Uh, big thanks to Rockabilia and definitely check out rockabilia.com. Uh, 15% off your order. PC Jabberjaw is the code. Put it in there. Get yourself some stuff. Get some under oath stuff. You know, we're on under oath kick this week. Uh, you know, go check it out. Uh, so the new album, Race Me, is out is already out it came out yesterday and uh so without further ado let's get into my conversation with tim from under oath Hey, LA, man. hey what's going on dude dude nothing just uh chilling how about yourself oh same thing taking a break from uh kids for a little while they're down for a nap and <laughs> monica emailed me back and said hey he's available around noontime i was like perfect so uh yeah things are going well, well. there we go <laughs> yeah man well, dude,
1: how are we yeah i'm just same thing i'm just uh chilling with family and uh doing uh Doing the, the, the deal, so just stepping out here for a bit, which works out for all of us, it seems.
0: Cool, yeah, that was perfect. And uh, dude, it's been a long time. I mean, I haven't seen you in in God really long time. So I think since Warp Tour, like two thousand four, something like that. But uh, yeah, it's gotta be. Yeah, because I don't know. Uh, I mean, you and I met a few times throughout, like we were playing Warp Tour together, and then like random shows and. And things like that throughout the throughout the the early years there. Well, early years for us, but um, yeah, it's been it's been a crazy long time. I was stoked that you were available to chat. Um,
1: yeah, dude. I know, like, help me place you. I know your name and I know your voice and I know what tour. <laughs> well,
0: what? So, uh, Anatomy of a Ghost. Uh, I was a guitar player for Anatomy of a Ghost. Um, and okay. W- so we played through that we were we were i think we met maybe through emory through matt carter um and i know i remember back right when reinventing your exit came out uh i you guys were playing cbgbs and we were playing the, the continental down the street and uh yes. met up there and that i think that's the first time i actually met you guys um and we're like, whoa, us playing CBGBs, let's cruise over there. And, and I think everyone was sitting out front. And and we would just kind of chat from time to time randomly for, you know, short spurts of time. I don't think we spent a lot of time together, but um, definitely acquaintances, but um, yeah. So, that's that's where you'd place me at.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. Well, dude, good to talk to you again. And yeah, glad we could make the time. Stoked yeah, absolutely.
0: Sure. And, uh, Man, one thing I've I've thought was I just wanted to bring this up in the beginning, just because it's something that's been on my mind. Um, back in that, I think it was 2004 Warp Tour. You guys were playing. Uh, it was the Portland date, and I don't know if you remember this, but I want to bring this up because this was like a huge, huge deal. We, I had a friend named Kyle Cook, and you guys were yep. his favorite band. And it's Kyle was cancer. Yes, and yep, of course. He passed away. Mom. Yeah, he passed away very soon after that show. Um, but I don't know if you kept in touch with his family or anything like that. But I, I knew uh, she, she at the funeral came up and told me what had what had transpired at that show with the guitar and everything else, and and uh, yep. just made his entire world with that one event. And uh, he, I mean, he passed away very soon after, like a month after that. And uh, yeah, man. That was that solidified for me just how good of people you guys were, you know. And and uh, I mean, oh, to awesome. take that time and and uh, just seeing that, as sick as he was, you know, talking to him before the set and seeing how he was. I mean, he was just so sick and and could barely barely you know crack a smile. But the second you guys started playing, he just lit up like a Christmas tree. And uh, yeah,
1: man, it was super strange. It was like super cool and like. You know, hearing his story about, um, yeah, just having the brain surgery and he had to be, you know, awake because it was where his you know, memory and speech was. And he just, you know, made them play to find the great line on repeat for like, geez. (laughs) Yeah, it was a while ago. I don't think think it was 2004. I think it was after that because I think to find the great line was out at the time. It was 2006, because I remember he said there was a specific lyric. It kept saying, like, you know, it's not the end of the road. You'll find what you've been searching for, something like that. But I remember, like, the story was, yeah, super, like, heavy. And it was just, like, yeah. It was weird. And we were going through, like, a lot of weird shit with our band. Yeah. And I just remember, like, it was a weird moment, but, like, I, like, just collapsed in his mom's arms and just started like crying like so like almost so like moved at his story and then like sitting here going like you know we have a freaking number two album in the country and we're fighting over like the dumbest stuff and like just that humbling thing of like overwhelmed gratitude for what i had as well as like overwhelming like just mourning for a mom watching her son just die in front of her it was was super weird I just remember apologizing to her like you cried so much you don't need to cry and I was (laughs) she's just like it's okay it was like the weirdest like out of character for me moment and like but that I vividly remember that happening and it just being very strange but also like very like it's kind of just what it is you know
0: yeah Exactly. And it's, it's weird how things happen like that too. I mean, they say bad things happen to good people, but I think it happens to everyone, but you really notice when it happens to someone with that big of a heart, you know, and, and uh, it's just always stuck in my mind under oath and Kyle, like always. And, and uh, I think his mom told me at the, at the funeral, I've started to start off on a depressing note here, but um, it, she told me he, he was laying there and in like his last, his last hours, and she was, you know, crying and and had a horrible headache. And he actually said, "I'm sorry, your head hurts." Yeah. As he's as he's going through his final time, to be that cognizant of what's going on with someone else to the end. I mean, that's genuine, just crazy. Oh man. Anyways, it, yeah, it's a pretty powerful story. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And you guys had such a, a big role in in in. Uh, in his life and, and what he was into and, and everything. And, and, but you guys also had such a huge, and still do had such a huge influence on kind of creating an entire scene and then having to hold on to that through going through all these crazy things you guys were going through. And I want to get into those because I mean, like that time, I, I think you're right with 2006 because I wasn't playing that warp tour. I was just at the show. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's when everything started kind of falling apart. Is that the tour you guys left? Yep, it okay. is. Okay, and so that's when everything started to kind of crack and crumble. Um, you guys seem like to me as well. Emery was the same way, like a all-in kind of band where everyone did everything together. Um, it was kind of this weird. It was like this family environment. It seemed like from from the outside and. I'm sure it was that way for a while, but when things started to go to kind of crack, was it all at once, or was it like a gradual thing? Um, I think it was
1: gradual. Um, I think, you know, by the time the Great Lion came, Spencer uh, was in the band for two years at the time. Mm-hmm. Felt very, I guess, more confident and comfortable with who he was. Tried to kind of do the right thing and just be more open about who he was. Um, And at the same time, you know, a few of us, mainly me, probably the most, at least vocal, um, became ever more uh, specifically focused on, you know, wanting our band to be a specific thing. That fit into like my worldview at the time, which is strange because I look at people like me now, having moved on from that and having grown past that, with not so much like anger, but a little bit of just sadness because I realize how how detrimental a headspace like that can be to someone, yeah, um, including the person who has the headspace. Uh, just that feeling of not only am you know. The, the the misfortunate lie that you tell yourself, not only am I like inexplicably right with no margin for error, but you also like kind of almost bear the burden of the rest of the world not being. And if they're not, it's because it's your fault, you know? Yeah. You, I don't know. You, um, You know, you didn't do enough. You didn't, you messed up somewhere. And so it was just really interesting pickle we found ourselves in. Um, And all the while, you know, Spencer was, you know, struggling with his cocaine use and things like that. And, you know, you're out here like saying like, fuck or smoking a cigarette. And like dudes like me are like, you know, all but reprimanding you. I mean how do you ever feel comfortable asking for help with something so severe as that? Yeah. <clears throat> you know, so in a weird, you know, on an un like an unintentional pivot of events, uh I think we found ourselves in a spot where like everyone was terrified of each other in different ways and it's just super strange to kind of think back on because now we're not that way at all. Uh, but it took a long, long time. And yeah, we went home and you know, all the stuff came out and it wasn't in a positive way and it wasn't good to anyone or for anyone. Um, and it just became this really interesting thing where, yeah, man, super, super strange. Uh, and we just kind of stopped and then i just remember feeling like this is what certain people in the band are using our platform for and i think it's the wrong thing so i'd rather you know not have a platform i'd rather not anyone here have access to fame money uh just uh, reaching people and then using all of those things for something that I thought was just completely wrong. Um, and so it was just like, yeah, it's easier just to, like, crash the ship because at least, you know, we're doing a lot of good, but at least the bad that I see won't won't be able to survive because we'll suffocate it out by just breaking up. So it was a really interesting, like, super strange dynamic. Um, and, and it made a logical... It made the logical sense to me At a certain point And it's just You know I never came back from that You know And I think You know We ended up You know Stopping For about A month and a half And had a lot of like Chad from our label Came down Um All of these people Uh Just kind of came down And we were in a weird spot Where they were like Yo Or is this really done and I think for a minute, like a few of us were like, yeah, it is, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, luckily they kind of coached us out of it. Um, but it was super strange. It was like definitely one of those weird things. Yeah, dude, give me one second. Okay. okay. I'm on the and it was going to happen a and I might drive around the neighborhood, but if it was with Al, I had an interview at three, and I'm just going to happened here because it's AC. Um, sorry, I'm just oh, no, literally sure. like ghosting and if someone's going to ask where I am and I'm not going to go phone. Um But yeah, so it's like basically it was just a strange thing and then you know we had a our world tour booked and there was all this opportunity and you know, really what happened was you know, we just were like, well let's not throw in the towel yet and let's kind of see what just kind of being okay with who we are mm-hmm. and who each other wants to be, uh, feels like. And let's just give it a try. Um, and I think that was a pivotal moment that really shook a lot of us. Um, and really kind of like, that was the cold water on the face moment for, uh-huh. I think everyone, like, the idea of like speaking, like you can't be running around behind everyone's back being dishonest. Like we're too public now. Like you've done too many things with the the right people, so to speak, or the wrong people, uh, to where it's not it's no longer your like little secret that you kind of get to pick up and put down as you please and not affect anyone. Which is really what he's trying to do. He wasn't really trying to be destructive at all. Yeah. Um, I think he was in a spot and he was like, well, the, the quieter I keep it, the better I can be, um, to all of my friends and still kind of fight my own battles myself. Uh, and I think for all of us long term, like, it was like the first like big moment where I was wrestling with like real, uh, loss of like self and going like, I don't really like this person that I'm becoming or, um, and it was super strange, but uh, that kind of started a bit of a, you know, uh, a match on the the first floor of the house that I built for the, you know, in almost entirety of my life as a Christian. And said, so, you know, we got to get out of this place, you know, and we gotta we gotta at least we don't have to move, we don't have to change addresses, we don't have to change belief systems, but we have to. You know, start over and remodel the earth a bit. And, you know, that kind of sequentially led to like a bunch of years of deconstruction and reconstruction and just being open minded for the first time and going, life is life and everything is confusing and dirty and messy and shitty and also beautiful and lovely and amazing. And you can't have one without the other. And so don't live on either polarizing side because neither of those sides exist. Don't I? And I think, uh, yeah, it was a weird one, but, you know, at the end, what we really did was just kind of start putting the pieces back together, start doing a little bit of soul searching, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, and you say that cold water on the face moment, I mean, you were kind of experiencing that as this was happening, but do you remember when everything kind of clicked for you that, man, I I fucked this up, like like I sh- I was thinking the wrong way, Was it was it... A one-time thing like bam it hit you or was it like you were saying with everything else kind of gradually over time how you were saying how you kind of had this vision and wouldn't let go i mean was that just a, a one-time like deep breath boom moment or was that a, a gradual feel um
1: i think it was a gradual thing um and it's I think it think it's still happening, not because it took longer, but it was it's like, you know, it's it's really for me about just recognizing that like there's a lot of things that happen um every day and they all inform shape and press a different button and kind of like finally allowing all of the dots to connect and all the light switches to like actually trigger a light bulb was like a learning process and you know, still a bit recoiling back into very odd habits and kind of like almost like self-depraving headspaces. that I thought like, well, this is what a Christian does. He's poor and he's uh, not great looking and not uh, doesn't walk around in fancy shit and like, you know, th- th- kind of the whole thing was a very interesting dialogue internally, you know?
0: Mm-hmm yeah and I so mean, it
1: was like it was a lot of just like what not to do, and you know it it's like I know everything to do in this world in the sense of not that I knew everything, but there was definitely a lot of you know preconditioning that I had, so i was I was pretty on the pulse of what modern day Western Christianity expected of me and then how that disseminated to everyone else that I came in contact with in an unhealthy way. Mm -hmm. But it was kind of like, okay, well, this is wrong, but then what is right? And so there's a whole, like, drove of new questions and new books, and I started, you know... I read everything. And that's kind of what I hit a point of, of, like, if all this stuff is really real, like, this whole like, protect your face, and, like, don't stray, and everything's a slippery slope. It's, like, if it's really, like, the truth like why is it so delicate like why do we have to act like everything and everyone else that is is not us is bad and we have to steer clear from reading their books and having hearing what they have to say because it's all just going to lead us away from XYZ I just kind of went down a really interesting rabbit hole I started reading like you know um, like everything like Gnostic Gospels and you know I started reading Dianetics just because I was curious and I was not very curious thinking like, oh, this could be a way for me, but it was more, I got to figure out how everyone else is like diving in and believing. I started reading like Nietzsche's Antichrist, which is really interesting. And I remember like some of those theories, like actually making a lot of sense, Uh And so it was a really interesting thing to kind of be like, why am I kind of loosely agreeing with a lot of different things, Dianetics aside? Yeah. That was just more for fun. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But it's like, yeah, talking to a Jewish friend and talking to, you know, a Muslim friend and kind of diving in everything they have to say, it all became pretty evident to me like, everyone's trying to do the right thing.
0: Yeah. And
1: everyone also thinks they have the right answers and like, that's why people are bombing world trade centers. And that's why dudes are shooting people at abortion clinics. And that's why I didn't you know, was willing to quit and try to destroy a band that not only did we work our asses off for 10 years for, but a lot of people still needed and lost all sight and just went to like blind rage, terrorists destroy all things that are not like me mode. Um, and so I've I, I come out the other end a bit more respectful of a lot of people, a lot more, but also, I'm also really, really, really empathetic to people that are that are in those similar positions. Okay. You know, and I think that's an interesting, like, huh, moment, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's just to look at someone and go, man, like, that school shooter or that, you know, Palmer, and this, that, and the other, like, that's the worst, but man, like, I've seen worse people get convinced to do similar things in the same vein, in the same name of, like, be a zealot in some vein, Yeah, you know, and Then yet yeah. he, he just throwing like, blood on people, I and mean, it's just like, dude, like, this is all just crazy as hell, and, like, the smartest people are the people that are balancing in the middle,
0: you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and you guys are such a unique position because, I mean, it's almost like the child actor thing where, I mean, you were coming through adolescence believing one thing and, you know, a lot of people in the scene that are in, you know, smaller bands, of course, went through that phase and then kind of came out of it and no one kind of turned their head, but you guys were in the forefront, thrown to the, the, the number two record in the country, you know, still talking about that on stage and being you know, ridiculed by certain bands and then like, you know, praised by others. So you got to deal with that side of it in the public eye. And then after coming back with this rebirth, having to then face that, you know what I mean? Does that make sense where now you, you are who you are, but now you still have to go back and show these people who you are again. So it's like this weird thing that a lot of people don't have to deal with. You know, having to to put everything yeah, out there. Yeah, yeah. It's strange because it's it's literally a rebirth, but at the same time, it's it's not new. It's it's a new person going into a similar situation and then having to either change minds or or deal with people's opinions on on what's transpired. It's just this weird. I don't even. I can't even imagine what it feels like for you guys to go into this because. You know uh, if if i was and i mean mild success musically if i was anywhere near where under oath was when i was you know 21 and then having to you know deal with that being out there and and you know what i mean it's just this weird yeah. situation i mean how are you guys dealing with that now after you know putting this you know coming back doing the tours and then deciding to do a new record i mean how has that felt have you had good reception or have people come up to you uh you know one-on-one and said, "Hey." Uh, I still believe, I still, I mean, how could you do this? I mean, what was what has that been like?
1: It's been pretty uneventful, honestly. Um, and I think, like, when Spencer was in Sleep Wave, he kind of just finally was able to be in his own head for a minute and get really comfortable mm-hmm. and do the things he wanted to do and no one was there to tell him not to and he kind of got to really figure out who he is at his best and his worst and I think we all did it as well in different scenarios and the ventures we did so like you know Under kind of stopped being a quote unquote Christian band uh, while we were still together I mean Daniel Davison, our drummer came into the band and he used to be a Christian and he wasn't anymore and neither was Spencer and Grant, our bass player, is, like, a, a very... Not proud as in he has pride, but he's he's not afraid to let people know that he's, you know, uh, a self-proclaimed and very authentic, like, atheist now. Mm-hmm. feels like every everything is just... Everything is everything, and everything is nothing, and there's really no, you know, big, like, this is the right thing, and everything else is wrong. Um, and so... Coming out, like, you know, first song that ever has a curse word in our history, and it's like, you know, oh, the guy, the lead singer says fuck in the first 30 minutes or 30 (laughs) seconds, like, what's that going to be like? And I think everyone's just kind of over it. Yeah, Everyone's like, yeah, it's fine. Like, you're going to pop in Drake right after this, but you're going to be mad at us? Like, I think everyone's so (laughs) logical now um, that when, you know, we got to remember like the psycho Christian people that were following us when we were kind of psycho Christians at a certain point.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, we're also 19, 20, 21, you know? Yeah. And like now they're 34, 35. And they've gone through all the same stuff we did. And so I think if we were appealing to young, younger fans or trying to go back and play like cornerstone or like some sort of Christian market play, we'd be in a lot of, and a lot of, you know, damage control management, you know? Yeah. Man, that's a good But way we're to- not, you know? We're on a general market label, and we have a general market agent, and we've always covered general market bands, and um, we've always been friendly and always been down, and I've always had non-Christian friends, like, from the beginning. Sure. You know, and I think that's the interesting thing, is, like, we never really evangelized to bands on tour... Or ever had any of those types of positions You know, it was always like Very selfish Maybe for better or worse But it was like, this is for us Like, Mm -hmm. we are these people Because this is who we are And everyone else is allowed to be who they are But no one here is allowed to be anything But who we all said we were When we were 17 and stepped in a band Yeah, And I think that was super unhealthy But the cool thing is We weren't out telling, you know terror that they need to return to you know repent and turn like we were never having those conversations we've always had an immense amount of support and respect from the scene at large um and so it it was kind of uh, that neutral thing you know mm-hmm. it wasn't a positive or a negative i think everyone's just like yo man like your single's dope thank you you know or I expected more, thank you But there, you know, there's there's, definitely Like Where I expected something else I gotten in a lot of, I didn't know what to expect But that wasn't it, but man, that song's really cool And I can't wait to hear more yeah. So it's like, it's just a strange Position and place to be in But that's where we're in, you know
0: Yeah, absolutely And you guys, so I mean you guys, you know, left, came back Did some tours, decided to Make a record now, at that point, when you guys decided to make a record, what happened? It, was there a, a bidding war starting with the labels? I mean, I know you guys decided on Fearless, and I've been on Fearless myself, and they're a fantastic label. But but what happened when the news came out that you guys were going to put out a record? Did people start jumping on it, or were people kind of apprehensive?
1: Yeah, everyone was um, pretty open to it. Okay. Uh, we had, you know, dudes from BMG. We had a couple majors calling. And it was, uh, yeah, man, it was like really, really positive. Um, I think, you know, we needed to make a pivot from tooth and nail because for no other reason than we just felt like we've done our best work with them. Yeah. Um, and we just need to, we need a fresh start and fresh eyes and a fresh team. Yeah. Um and so, I mean, we have a new booking agent, we have a new label, we have the same manager, we have the same band members, and that's really it, because everyone even management-wise and internally has a completely different mindset. So it's like, it's a whole new thing all over again,
0: you know? Yeah. Okay. From start to finish. I mean, and... and uh I love Bob at Fearless, like that whole family there, and then a lot of them are different now, of course, but that whole family atmosphere at Fearless was was huge for us when we were on them. And you know we were just on them briefly before everything came crashing down for us. But uh, sure, sure. the label is fantastic, and and they fight for their bands. And I mean, I was stoked. I had heard about the the that you guys had signed to Fearless back in oh man, when it was it August of last year? I think uh, my buddy Johnny was. We were at, at, down in Anaheim at this podcast convention, and and we were discussing uh, we were discussing that and and. Uh, he had mentioned that you know you guys had finally that had agreed where you were going to go and it was fearless and I was like, man, that is that's interesting. Like that's a that's a uh, uh, at the time I was like that's an interesting decision and then I'm looking at the, all the marketing and everything coming out for the record and I'm like, man, it's perfect. It's perfect. It's a fresh. Yeah,
1: way. I mean, fearless has changed a lot in ten years too, and that's something we realize is like when you're in something as liquid and fluid and malleable and ever changing and evolving as the music industry, like nothing you knew the last time you put out a record counts when your last record was eight or nine years ago, you know, (laughs) everything's different now. And we knew that. And so we needed a, you know, a team that was really aware and upfront with like what they know and what they don't, what their strengths are. You know, we have a strong team, so we don't need them to do everything. We need them to do the things we can't. Fearless had the best, you know, complimentary offerings to what we already were as a, as a team with a big audience and loyal fan base, as well as, you know, solid musicians and everything else that we had going for us. You know, it's like, we just had a lot of stuff going and it worked, you know?
0: Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, the, the, the fact that I'm just loving that everything's back together coming out. Monica sent me the new record and it's, it's, uh, it's amazing. Like I, and it's exact, I did not expect it as i when i heard it i was like man this is really good like i and i wasn't expecting it to not be good but i i didn't have a strong expectation like i didn't have i was kind of just going into it open and i didn't uh, i saw the commercial for the new single and i did and i watched it briefly but i didn't go and listen to the whole thing i wanted to hear the whole record at, at as one piece sure. and so when i emailed her and she sent it over. Then I just sat and and in traffic and listened to the whole record all the way through and heard it as one piece. And it's a it's awesome. I mean, people are gonna yeah. love this record. I'm stoked. Dude, thanks, man. Out. I'm
1: I'm stoked, man. I hope they do.
0: It's it's I mean it's 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 Under Oath. I mean it's not it's not Under Oath in the sense of Under Oath. You know, ten years ago, but it's it's you guys, you guys, the same unit. I mean, Aaron's back. It's it's awesome. I mean, it's, it's just really good. And, and I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the writing and recording process of this record. I mean, did you guys approach things very differently as you're doing everything kind of, uh, you know, as, as older and wiser now? Or did you guys fall back on certain things? I mean, what what happened there?
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, everything was different. Um, everyone started writing more. Where in the past it was a lot of me writing, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot. Um, And then different positions and gaps were filled. You know, Spencer wrote a lot on, you know, Define the Great Line um, and Lost. But in in most scenarios, like I was kind of the main, at least, guitar writer, uh, along with Spee. Um, and this was the first time where Aaron and Speed got together just by themselves and wrote stuff they liked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wasn't even in the room because we're all spread out. Spencer was in New York, Aaron was in Salt Lake, I was in Tampa. Me, James, and Chris had full time jobs at the time, so there was like so many other things that really weren't ever a factor or a juggling balance that act that we had to do you know Mm -hmm. so the writing process was different in the sense of normally we went in the studio with uh, generally around nine songs okay, and then we would always write one in the studio and we never had options it was always the nine we went in with is what we're doing and everything else is just we trust it we would take nine ideas and make them so good or at least what we thought so good um, to where we didn't have to write 35 songs and pick the top 10 like everyone did. And with this one, we didn't have that quality time with each other prior, so we just kept writing ideas. And, you know, we knew also with the way we were writing, we also needed to um, change up the producer side. So... We've done all of our records with Matt Goldman since almost Chasing Safety. I mean, Matt even did a lot of production work on Chasing Safety, even though he did it with James Wisner titled. Um, and after that, it was everything was Matt Goldman's. Adam D. was there sometimes. Jeremy Griffiths was there sometimes. It was always Matt and someone else. And what we realized is we really wanted to go in with someone who's got the band, but also got, you know, the larger studio process and we spent, we ended up going with Matt Squire and Eric Taft and you know, Matt was interesting cause he did Avril Lavigne. He did, uh, one direction. And then he did like sleeping with sirens and, you know, worked on the first circa record with Brian McTurnan. And like, he had this really interesting hardcore base that was appealing, mm-hmm. but he'd also had so many oddball experiences with other people And we felt like his tool shed was a, and Rolodex and like things and how to achieve certain things was a little bit wider. And we went in there with about 23 ideas. Some of them were like only produced songs that we needed to clean up or delete. Some of them were like a 30 second riff with a drum beat that was programmed on a MIDI pad. So we had like so much material. We were there for two months, and the first month was really just identifying the best parts of our work and then leaning into them Mm -hmm. and sculpting them from the ground up. So it was like a really interesting thing where the first 30 days we actually booked studio time, but it wasn't really studio time. It was actually like, that was our pre-production and writing time, you know? So it, it ended up being really interesting because there wasn't a lot of completed thoughts and normally there are and so we just had a new kind of wave of you know what we wanted and what we needed but didn't have this the time and you know again the structure and the scheduling that we used to have so we just went in with a bunch of kitchen sink ideas and you know what came out is the record that you hear and you know we spent 30 days just writing way um. This, that, and the other, and it was just very, very interesting because we honestly just didn't even start recording until the second month. And so it was just really cool to see all that stuff happen. Yeah. And just be in a be in a position where um, we were. Hold on one second. Okay. Sorry, um, but yeah, we were just in an interesting position. But, uh, yeah, man. I mean, we just we just went through and shipped away and just did it, and we kept going and we kept going. and We kept pushing, we kept pushing, and uh, it just it was a completely different process. We've never done real pre-production. This is the first one we did, and I think it really shows in the songwriting. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, everything seems so cohesive, and it's just like it's just this really mature work i mean everything else in the past had all the frosty and the energy and everything else but this there's something else to this record that and and that may be it there's the cohesiveness of you guys as a unit and and the time it was spent putting the songs together i mean that that's probably what i'm hearing because it's just it's so much more mature but it hits just as hard you know and and, yeah it's just super focused you know yeah
1: and it's like the structured songs are more structured and the heavier Chaotic songs are more chaotic and heavy. And like the, the, you know, No Frame, we always have a few like interesting, almost like out there experimental songs. The experimental songs are even more experimental. So it's like, it's just, it's just a better, more hyper-focused effort on everything we've always done as a band to begin with, you know? So I think that was really cool to see actually happen. And that's what we hope you're going to get. And we took a lot of risks with a new label and a new producer team, but, like, it paid off, man. We're super stoked.
0: Yeah, and the marketing behind it, too. I mean, you guys have always had great marketing and, and just putting out a very clear picture of where you're at and everything from the, the the text and font to the color scheme and everything else and everything that's come out for this record really has this, like, all-encompassing feel. Uh, that that now after hearing the record which I was lucky enough to do which a lot of people haven't yet but but being able to hold that with with the record itself the actual output it, it just all feels so whole and and just focused like you're saying like it's just it's just one big blast it's like it's it's exactly what needed to happen i think uh from you guys in, in at this point you know and and uh i mean it's just it's just really really fantastic total package.
1: Man, that's awesome! I'm glad to hear it, and I really hope that uh, you know once it comes out that other people feel the same. You know?
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's what I mean. I love listening to you got you and Matt Carter on his podcast because we're on the same network now. So like, uh, I love hearing you guys go back and forth, and I love so glad that uh, I was going to get to talk to you because I just like how your mind works. I like how how. You just have interesting ideas on everything, like it seems like. And uh, that's
1: interesting. That's it's awesome. It's, you do you do it. and
0: Matt can talk for an hour on one thing, and it's and it just goes in so many different interesting places. You know, it's just it's it's absolutely interesting. And and uh, yeah, man. I, so what are you doing? You guys are going out on tour. Are you still working uh, with the merch company you were doing? No, I'm not
1: actually. Um, I am. I am Basically I'm doing Under Oath And then I own a coffee company Called King State And that's really The only thing I'm doing You know Um And We're just It's It's been really interesting Because uh, Nate My brother-in-law Who's actually At the house I'm at today Um Nate Is Uh My brother-in-law Who's also the drummer Of Amber Lynn. Oh, okay. Um So we grew up together Grew up on the same label had a lot of the same, you know, uh, connections and a lot of the same, uh, you know, relationships. And then we started King State, which is our coffee company. Um, about three years ago, we just bought a building and we're going through permitting and all of that. So we had so much um, so much going on there that now it's become a full-time job. And, you know, between King State and Under Oak, those are really the only two things I'm doing. I was managing a hip-hop artist named Andy Mineo for a minute, um, by a minute, I mean the better part of two years, uh-huh. um, but just transitioned out of his team because he's got he's such a talented dude um, and has such a really good grasp on what he wants to be, uh, and he needs a full time full time manager that's going to really ingrain with him, sure. and that's just not me. And I knew that I'd be underserving him, so you know I, I, I approached him you know, September of last year and said, hey man, like turn, turn of the year, January, I think Under Earth is really going to kick into high gear. Uh, I started managing when I didn't even before, you know, pretty much before even Rebirth. So, um, it was, it was an interesting, or at least talking to him and even on Rebirth, we didn't think that we were going to be a full-time band. So, what we really ended up with was like a lot of opportunities that came up and I was keeping busy and I was, you know, kind of going one way and then under getting back together and really pivoted and refocused all of that into a completely different way. You know?
0: Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And, and I mean, so you've got this, that's crazy. I, I did not know you started a coffee cup. So you guys are going to do everything. You're going to roast it and, and market it, everything else. I mean, all of it or it's, it's uh is it just going to be like, we like already do and, all that. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. So you've
1: so got, we uh, already do, um, We do all the roasting, sourcing, packaging, um, and then we ship to a bunch of cafes. We have an online subscription, so we ship, you know, monthly subscribers to people's offices, you know, a couple times a month, once a month, whatever they choose. And now we're going to start our own bar, and we're starting a a brewery as well, so we're going to have our own beer. We're going to be able to serve, you know, our own coffee in the morning, our own beer at night, and... um, we have a head chef who's designing our entire menu. Uh, and so we're gonna have food, you know, all day, every day as well. So yeah, it's a weird thing to kind of be talking about starting a bar or restaurant with yeah. like my brother in law and like one of my best friends, but that's what I'm doing. That's and then we're gonna amazing. do under oath four or five months a year and between those two things, man, I have a thousand podcast ideas. I wanna make a bunch of weird movies. I'm starting our, our director who comes out with us on tour Dan Newman last night to like one in the morning. I I was just about a bunch of different ideas, but you know, I, one thing I've learned after many years is, you know, know your capacity and know when, you know, more ideas don't actually mean more output and just stay focused on what you have in front of you and then grow organically and naturally as band with freeze up. And so, you know, I really got to keep my schedule open for under because I don't know what this record has, you know? Yeah. We think it's going to be two tours here and maybe a tour here. And, you know, if this thing takes off or if it goes, you know, real south and, you know, either one of those is possible, uh, it could change the landscape very quickly. So, you know, our hope is that we stay busy, we stay consistent, we stay focused, and we stay growing, but not in an over, you know, overly destructive pace like it used to be yeah so we have a better head on our shoulders than we ever have We think we have better music we have better um or as good music as we've ever had uh we're better lives than we've ever been um and better players than we've ever been so it's like it's all there and now it's just a matter of if it clicks or not and, sure. and our hope is that it does and uh we're also just very open-handed with our expectations just going we don't know what this is and the music industry's different and everything in the world's different so we're just going to do our best and let it ride you know
0: yeah that see that's that's what i'm talking about that that whole exchange there the way your mind works the way you stay focused on things but also have the imaginative side of it, but you also take a new take on things, where you throw things into, you know, uh, you, the way you prioritize and things like that. Because you have a million things going on. You're a father. I mean, you've got all this, all this stuff going on. I mean, it's, it's, it's. I told Matt. I called Matt after I listened to that first episode of Break It Down you did with him, and I was like, dude, you got to get Tim a podcast. You got to do it. And he's like, I know, I'm working on trying we're talking about things. And this was back when he was gonna go daily with it for a little while. And yep. uh, but I called him, like literally listened to it, called him up. I was like, dude, and we talked for an hour and a half that about like different <laughs> ways to get you on a podcast because oh, that's like, awesome. You know, and, and uh, it's just a, you're just an interesting guy, Tim. Mean, you, you always have been I've I've I remember it from the first time you know we met. It just to be an interesting dude. You know totally like uh really um uh like uppity and and go 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 which i i appreciated but at the same time hearing you now and and through with matt too just hearing how your actual mind works and and it's just interesting man and it's not uh not to kiss your ass you know but but it's you're just an interesting dude and i I was so glad to get you on the show and and uh i really hope you know i don't think you guys are coming through portland on this first run uh for a race me but um definitely want to get together when you do and, and chat more and, and uh, hopefully figure out where you're at at that point too. Cause it's, it seems like it's just ever changing. So
1: yeah, man, for sure. I, mean, I, uh, I get that. And I think, uh, yeah, I think I would love to absolutely um, like do more and, you know, I'm at a lot on podcasting. I have a couple podcast ideas, Um, So that may happen sooner than later. But again, right now, uh, yeah, I got stacks. I got a couple different ideas. Um, but yeah, it's just finding the time and finding, making sure it's quality instead of just, you know, shooting into the dark and hoping to hit a bullseye. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll be working on it, but you'll hear more from me, even if it's just you talking to me another hour for another episode when we come through. But let's definitely stay in touch, Dewey, for sure. It's awesome to kind of recap with you and reconnect with you for sure. Yeah,
0: absolutely, Tim. Man, I really appreciate the time, and and I'll shoot you a text. I want to try some of that coffee, man. I'll uh, I'll hit you up and and get all the info on that and and uh, get some ordered, man.
1: Yeah, dude, that'd be awesome. Yeah, send me, uh, send me your info, and, uh, yeah, we'll work through it, and we'll kind of see what goes on. And, uh, yeah, I'll send you some stuff, and, uh, yeah, we would love to hear your thoughts, but definitely uh, appreciate the uh, the kind words and the great conversation. Look forward to doing it again soon, for sure, man.
0: Right on, man. And Erase Me comes out April 6th on Fearless, so it, and this is going to come out the day after, right on that Saturday. So uh Oh great we, we worked it out to schedule it so it would pop out the day after and, and uh that way people can hear the record and then listen to this conversation and, and it hopefully it, it melds together. So
1: yeah, that's perfect. Thanks, man. Well I'll okay. talk to you soon and I will uh I will definitely be looking forward to hearing the episode and we'll be talking again more for sure.
0: Awesome, Tim. Thanks a lot, man. All right, thanks, man. All Take right, care. Talk to you later. Bye bye. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Tim from Under Oath. What a fantastic guy and just an awesome guest. I'm so glad to have him on the show. We haven't spoken in quite a while. Uh, since I probably before the hiatus, I think the last time we spoke, I think I mentioned it on the, the conversation was warp tour a long time ago. So it was cool to catch up with Tim and see what he's doing. He's just a fascinating dude. He's got so much to say and some interesting takes on pretty much everything. And I really hope he gets a podcast going, uh, so everyone can check it out. Uh, but big thanks to Tim. Big thanks to Monica at speakeasy for setting this up and getting us in touch the new album erase me is out now on fearless records go check it out it is awesome it is a total just crazy departure from you know what you thought under oath was and they always reinvent themselves but this record has so many different pieces it's just really great and i had a great time listening to it so definitely check out erase me on fearless records by under oath Big thanks to Tim for coming on the show. Big thanks to Rockabilia for supporting the show. And as always, we will see you on the radio. Hey, my name is Matt Carter, and I'm the host of the Break It Down podcast, which is part of the Jabberjaw Media Podcast Network. Break It Down is a show that's all about getting to know people who know stuff and to talk about it in depth. That's the way I like to roll, and I believe that's one of the best ways to learn, to be honest, to be genuinely interested and to explore long-form conversation. So listen and subscribe at JabberjawMedia.com.